turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 4, for our exhortation. And uh, we'll read Ephesians 6, 4. We will also read Colossians 3, verse 21. So if you want to put a thumb in one section and have access to the other verse, you can. Beginning with Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And in Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is the word of God. Well, today, as you know, on the U.S. calendar is Father's Day. And despite all the cultural insanity happening around us, and despite the fact that people not, uh, many people don't seem to know what that word means anymore, I am thankful that it is on the calendar nonetheless, because fatherhood and motherhood, both having a day on the calendar, we're recognizing the importance of these institutions. Uh, and we, as, as those who are in Christ, recognize them as God-ordained institutions that he has a design for. Fathers and mothers are designed by God to be a source of great good in the lives of their children. But where sin enters and twists things, they can actually become a source of great harm and evil to their children. Both are possibilities. So today, in, in light of Father's Day, I want to direct this exhortation to those amongst us who are fathers. Uh, so I'll be speaking predominantly, primarily to the fathers, since this is what these passages speak to. Though I'm sure that many of us will find application, the mothers will find application for uh, their relationship with their children. And there is some also some application for all of our human relationships here as well. So Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3, they both give a... Uh, a warning, uh, an a exhortation not to provoke our children. So brothers, this speaks to all of us as fathers that we are not to provoke our children either to wrath or then also the possibility here of discouragement. Uh, both of these things are possible when we are not fathering as faithfully as we should. We can provoke our children to anger or cause discouragement in their hearts by our ungodly or sinful behavior as fathers. And when we do that, we are not acting in accord with our calling, which is to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We have this very important calling. We can do very much good in their lives. We can show them the way of Christ, not only in word, but by action, and we mess this up. We hamper this when we provoke our children to anger. So I want to list a few different ways in which we tend to provoke our children to wrath or discouragement by our actions or words. Now, in a particular book by Lou Priolo, he has a book called The Heart of Anger, which is a book about anger in children. He begins the book with 25 ways in which parents provoke their children to anger, which is a very good way to start the book, to recognize our own fault in causing the problem or contributing to it. And I'm not going to deal with all 25 here. I wouldn't have time for that, but I'd commend that resource to you for your consideration. But I will give you five ways for us to consider and to confess in light of as we have an opportunity to confess our sins. So the first way in which we provoke our children to anger or discouragement is by modeling sinful anger ourselves. 
It's not a surprise that children learn how to be angry by observing us being angry. If your children observe angry communication, irritable behavior, frustrated responses, raising of your voice when you don't get things your way, it's no surprise that they become angry as well. You're just modeling it for them. And so we have to start with ourselves. We have to say, I have to repent of my sinful anger with whatever correction I bring of my children who are being given to anger. Secondly, we provoke our children to anger when we discipline them in anger. This is not the restorative discipline and training that Galatians 6.1 calls us to as fathers. We are told that when a brother or sister in Christ, which includes your children, err in their ways, they sin, they fall into some transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And so if you are not exercising gentleness in your restoration, you are violating Galatians 6.1, and you're also ignoring the warning of it, which says, lest you too be tempted and fall into sin yourself. Hence, you actually were not as spiritual as you thought you were when you sought to restore. And our children will perceive our motivations when we discipline in anger. I think they are quite uh, up to speed and intuitive about the fact that perhaps what's really driving us is our own sense of frustration rather than our desire to be faithful to the calling God has given us. They, they perceive that what is the biggest deal is our offense, not the sin that they have committed against God. And that's going to be evident in the way that we handle these things, whether we are disciplining in anger. The third way in which we provoke our children to anger or discouragement is that we require standards of them that we do not require of ourselves. If you think that you can hide your hypocrisy from your children, you are sadly mistaken. They are master observers of human nature, even if they cannot even verbalize all the things that they are observing with the English language. They know a lot, and they know a lot about you. And so if we call them to humility and we call them to repentance and we call them to walk in God's ways, but then we never call ourselves to, we never confess our own sins to them, when we fall short of that standard, they will be very well aware of that discrepancy. They may not be able to spell the word hypocrisy, but they will know what it means and what it is. You cannot require humility and repentance of your children if you never act in humility and repentance before your children. This will surely provoke your children to anger, frustration, and discouragement when they live under such double standards. Fourthly, we provoke our children to anger and we discourage them when we constantly find fault with them. Now, as I say this, this does not remove your responsibility to reprove your children, to correct them, to show them the error of their ways, and to point them to God's way. But it does mean that you can discourage your children by constantly finding fault with them. By, you can, it's as if you never find anything to praise or affirm that the second they come within your range of vision, you have some correction for them. That's discouraging. I mean, think about if you had an employer that did that to you, that That'd be hard to live under, wouldn't it? The second you, you appear in their vision, they correct you. That's all, that's all you do. What this 
teaches our children, I think, is that they can never measure up. They are never accepted or received by you. And it's not even worth trying because you'll always find some other problem to find fault with. Do remember that when Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation, even as he corrected them, he actually commended them for other things. Remember when Paul writes to the churches, he brings the churches correction, but he gives thanks to God for things about them at the same time. Do you do both? Do you affirm? Do you praise? Do you encourage anything? It's important that we have a good mix of both as we teach our children, lest we discourage them. A fifth way we provoke our children to anger and discourage them is when we engage in ungodly and unedifying speech towards them. And what I have in view here is the kind of speech that would be better called scolding than corrective training and righteousness. I think there's a difference between these kinds of speeches. And it comes out, again, I think, as effectively a manifestation of our anger and frustration. And our children know what is most important to us by what we speak, because out of the uh, the heart, our mouths speak. So when they hear our speech being all about our frustrations, our sense of being wronged, our disappointment with them, how they failed us, well, who do they think is the biggest uh, thing in our minds? Well, it's, it's us. They, they realize that it's not really about God. It's not about the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's not about the way of righteousness. It's about you and how you've been wronged by them. And that comes out in our speech. And so we need to be very careful, brothers and sisters, for how we speak to our children, that we, we treat them as the Lord Jesus Christ received them and, and said, of such is the kingdom of God, do we see them as precious, as valuable, and do we see our stewardship as such a high calling that we exercise all that we do in our parenting with great care and prudence and caution in our speech and our actions? Well, this list could be multiplied, and as I mentioned, uh, Lou Priolo's book contains many other examples for us to consider in this regard. Uh, But speaking to the fathers, brothers, my call to each of us is humble repentance, first before God and then before our children, which may be part of the application of considering these things, is that we, we tell our children how we have failed in these ways. Thankfully for us fathers and for mothers, there is hope for us. Because the Lord Jesus Christ came to save us from these sins. And he came to remake us into fathers who are like him. Fathers who are are gentle, merciful, full of kindness, uh, full of wisdom. With, uh, With our tongues, we're able to communicate wisdom to our children. We're able to point in the right direction. And our lives increasingly become models of what that direction is like. And so I I remind us, brothers, that we have the opportunity to do much good. God can enable us to do much good for eternity, but may we not hamper that opportunity. May we not waste that opportunity by these ungodly kinds of approaches to this important stewardship. So I invite each of us now to enter this time of confession of sin, and we will all together kneel before the Lord in humility And we will be uh, reading this prayer of confession together, and then we'll have an opportunity to confess our own sins before the Lord. So I invite you to kneel before the Lord, and we will pray together. Our Father, we are sinful, and you are holy. 
We recognize that we have heard in your law difficult words, knowing how often we have offended you in thought, word, and deed, not only by obvious violations, but by failing to conform to its perfect commands, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Although you are a holy God who cannot look upon sin, look upon Christ our Savior and forgive us for his sake. You have promised us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For if we do sin, we have an advocate before your throne, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Give us your pardon by your mercies, dear Father, for you have clothed us in Christ's righteousness. We ask also that you would give us an increase of the grace of your Holy Spirit so that we may learn the wisdom of your ways and walk in your holy paths for your glory and the good of our neighbor. Amen. Now let us take a moment to confess our own sins before the Lord. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon you all. Amen. You may be seated now for a quick time of announcement. Brother? couple quick announcements. Uh, Notice a lot of new visitors here. We appreciate you joining us. Um, after we break here, there will be just a snack time where we'll um, share some quick snacks. Please, you're welcome to stay here and to continue just fellowship. We look forward to getting to know you, and we're thankful for you all being a part of our uh, gathering here this morning. Um, for those maybe who caught from my prayer, um, we do it just occasionally like to remember the persecuted church, even though the Lockmans aren't giving us those reminders every single week. Um, there's a ministry that we support um, and have supported as a church that does work in Farsi and in a basically Iranian type of circles over in the 1040 window. Um, it was that organization that sent out the update yesterday that these three ladies were abducted and asked for prayer. Um, they're actually closely connected to the um, kind of Reformed Presbyterian work that's happening um, over there. And so um, these were three ladies as part of churches there, then just stripped away by the government. The families have inquired. They, there's no answer. They've tried to get legal representation. The government won't allow it. They're just disappeared, and it's now been over a month, and nobody knows, are they alive? Are they dead? Why were they taken? I mean, they know why they're taken. It's because they love Jesus, right? But um, beyond that, you know, what was the legal grounds for that? So you can be praying for those three ladies. Um, that's about it for announcement. Yeah, the 28th, so just keep as a reminder, a week from Wednesday, June 28th, 1 p.m. is when the Board of County Commissioners will hear our case. As many uh, families that can make it there would just be uh, really a sweet thing. So um, come talk to me afterwards if you have uh, any interest in showing up or would like to understand more about that. Okay, um, my, uh, my wife sent out uh, a meeting about a ladies' meeting on June 22nd at 7 p.m. So... Um, you do need to RSVP for that because of the materials and things they're going to be doing for the activity. So June 22nd, 7 p.m., you can see my wife about that or RSVP an email. But she needs to know by tomorrow for that if you're going to attend. Okay? Uh, we do have evening service tonight at 6.30. So everybody, visitors, anybody's welcome to that. 6.30 tonight right here 
For our evening service, we're continuing to preach through the book of Luke. Um, any other announcements? Okay. All right. Well, let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your mighty grace. We thank you for your love and the, the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, by which we stand under no condemnation but free in Christ. So, Father, would this word be the meditation of our hearts and also be a tongue upon our tongue as we stir one another up to love and good works, as we encourage one another in this, as we, as, as we live out our faith uh, as you have called us to. Help us to be secure and standing firm in our position in Jesus Christ and find much rest and peace and hope in that uh, all the day. We thank you, Lord. We, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.